What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Landlord Chick Podcast. So this is part two of the previous episode. In the previous episode, I said at the beginning that we we're going to talk about both the rental market as well as the sale and purchase market. And I did warn you that there was a pretty good chance, I felt, that we weren't going to get to both markets in one episode. And alas, we did go to a full 30 minutes in the previous one. I don't really like my episodes going more than 20 to 25, and I put the hard stop at 30 minutes, and we went to the full 30 minutes last time. So this is part two of the conversation about the 2023 markets. You don't have to go back and listen to that one first if you missed that one. You do want to go back and listen to it if you are a rental investor, but it's not anything that's going to feed into this conversation necessarily. So don't feel like this is watching an episode of your favorite TV show where, oh my gosh, you've got to go watch the previous one first because this is a continuation. No, this isn't that situation. Listen to this episode, then whenever you've got time, pop over to the other one and hear that portion of the conversation about the rental market. But in this one, we're going to start sort of afresh and we're going to talk about the sale and purchase market coming into 2023. Building a real estate portfolio is as much about buying properties as being a de facto entrepreneur. I'm Karina Ufinger. I'm a multi-property investor, rental management company CEO, and also a landlord coach. I'm going to show you the systems and knowledge you need to thrive as a real estate entrepreneur. From your first property purchase to building a portfolio of passive income where you work less than five hours a week, you'll learn the essential information and skills to build a profitable portfolio and live the life you truly want. Whether you are well on your journey or just starting out, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Landlord Chick Podcast. Now, I have to admit as we get started that this episode probably isn't quite going to be as long as the previous one. I don't necessarily see us going the full 30 minutes on this one. More or less because, honestly, I feel like there's a lot more stuff that kind of plays into real estate when we're buying and selling, but also we have a lot more in our tool belt as far as how to like capitalize on making a purchase in this sort of market. And also, honestly... When it comes down to it, buying and selling, there's opportunities in almost any market to do either of them. It's just how you approach it that kind of makes the difference on how successful you are. So contrary to the last one where we were sort of talking about how the rental market's going to be really slow, there really only is so much that we can do to change that and to kind of entice people in. On this side, what we're talking about, I feel we have a lot more items in our tool belt that we can more easily navigate this market. So we might not find ourselves going to a full 30 minutes. And maybe on one side, I'm hoping this is more of a normal size episode where it's 20 to 25 minutes. Anyway, enough of that chitter chatter. Let's get into it. So as we've all seen, 2020, 2021, good part of 2022, a very difficult buying market. 
we've had this conversation on here before over the past two years or so about, you know, putting your first child up for sale, not really, by the way, but putting your first child up for sale to secure a property. We've talked about how, you know, you give away your inheritance to buy a property. We've, we've talked about that. What we're seeing now is we're seeing a shift in the market that correction that needed to come at some point is starting to come. Unfortunately, not everyone's gotten the memo. And this is where we get into the tricky part of this. So we've had this market where there've been a ton of buyers, whether you're looking at residential as a primary home purchase, or you've been looking at investments, either side of the fence, we've all had a lot of competition the last two years or so a lot of competition. And at the same time, while inventory has been good, it hasn't been good enough for the amount of competition that we had. So we were definitely fighting each other, pushing each other into the other aisle just to try and get that one, one thing that's on the market right now, sort of alluding to Black Friday here. And not that I used to really enjoy Black Friday, but I did. I really did enjoy Black Friday. I love the rush of it. But that's what the that's what this purchase market was for like two years. It was like a Black Friday rush in the sense of you had to beat out your competition. And if you did, you felt kind of really good about it. You're like, oh my God, I got it. I got that last copy of the video game that was on the shelf on Black Friday. That's what this kind of felt like. But there were more losers than winners in that market because there were more of us looking, but there wasn't a lot of us actually winning. Now, we've had this really strong seller market that's pushed us all the way through. And it was a seller market for a lot of the same reasons that it was a landlord's market, per se, for renting out our properties. We were very much in the same boat of like, here's a blank check, write in the amount, and I'll figure out a way to pay it. That's what this was all about when we went through 2020 and 2021. There were a lot of investors in there in that market who didn't make very smart decisions. And we'll get into that in another podcast probably, but there are a lot of investors who overbought for a property that will underperform for what they bought it at. Now that aside, let's talk about where we're going in 2023. Well, that correction is starting to happen. But as I said, there's a problem with this correction. The problem with the correction is that the sellers aren't necessarily getting the memo. Now, we have to talk about where this correction is coming from to understand why it's important that sellers aren't getting the memo. See, we have had interest rates that have been historically low recently. Over time, interest rates have begun to go up. And most recently, we've begun to see some of the higher interest rates we've seen in at least three years. Now, because of that, we're seeing this slowdown. We see people putting the brakes on buying because interest rates are going so high. Not quite the highest they've ever been but they're definitely high for what we've been used to in our recent short-term memory, even looking a couple years before 2020. So these interest rates are going up, but yet I said there's this disconnect. Sellers aren't getting the memo. The sellers that are on the market right now 
I would say a fair amount of them have not gotten the memo that interest rates are going up, which means that our payments are going up as a result of that, which means as investors, especially, we can't necessarily pay what we used to because then the property isn't going to cash flow. It's a really important concept there. Interest rates are going up. Our payments for our mortgages are going to be more because interest rates have gone up. We aren't necessarily able to get a net income if we're still paying the same price as we did with the lower interest rates that happened in 2020 and 2021. There's where a little balance comes into play. There needs to be balance between those two to have a market that makes sense and to have a market that is at least tenable for buyers and you would argue for sellers too so they could actually sell their property. So what we have right now is we have people on the market that are like, oh my gosh, this is a great time to sell. I was waiting, I don't know why I was waiting, but you know what? Let's just go ahead and do it. So they put their property on the market. They went ahead and looked at the previous history that the real estate agent brought to them or they searched for themselves and they're like, you know what? I still wanna go with that price that was good from the first part of 2022. Let's go ahead and list it at that. But doing that, they aren't taking into consideration how much our side of the equation has changed with interest rates. And what we see now is we see properties that are too high in priced, not only for their condition, but also in terms of what the financial market is at. So we have right now an abundance of sellers that haven't gotten the clue. Now, what I say by abundance, like I'm not talking about there's hundreds, because obviously we know this is a really skinny market too. But what I am seeing is that as of right now, I'd say probably over 60% of the sellers on the market have not gotten the memo. They're still pricing their properties at a point for a early 2021 market or even a mid 2021 market where interest rates were much, much lower. They're just not pricing it right. They're just kind of sitting there with blinders going, well, I can get this because somebody else did six months ago or a year ago. And it is true. We talked about in the last episode there being this light switch. And really the light switch for sellers should have been turned on and they should have registered that flip pretty close to around like I'd say July, maybe August of this year. They also sort of should have registered that, wait a minute, you know what? I might have to go down in price a little bit just because of where interest rates are at. Now, there's another part that's kind of feeding into this idea of a higher priced market. And excuse my French for this, but I did say earlier that there were people who overbought for an underperforming property. Well, these morons are going to be the people that are trying to sell right now because they realize, oh, wait a minute, I can't sustain my property. Especially if they bought a property on an interest variable loan. These are the people who are gonna get squashed right now. They are gonna get squashed like a earwig in a house. And they are looking at it going, wow, 
I've got to sell, but because I bought it so high, I've got to sell it pretty high as well because I owe so much money on it. So we have a market where there's the majority of sellers are a little bit out of touch with what they could actually sell their property now in this moment. As a real estate agent, one of the things that I love doing when I have people that are looking for rental property purchases right now is I spend a little extra time and I dig down on my side of the MLS where I can see the last time it was listed and for how much it was listed. And I always give my client a heads up that if the property was purchased in 2020 or 2021, I'm going to say there's a 50% chance that they're not going to be too keen on negotiating lower than the price they have it listed for because they probably overbought. So that's something to keep in mind that as you're looking in this market, if you have the ability to kind of look back and see what its history is, you're going to get a little bit stronger of an indication of how likely they're going to be to negotiate. If they bought it before 2020, I'd say have a pretty good chance of them being willing to negotiate because they're not necessarily motivated by being underwater or anything. They might still be motivated by thinking that they can get these insanely high prices, but I think you still have a stronger chance of being able to negotiate with those people than you would people who overbought. So we've talked about why the market is where it is right now. We've got higher interest rates. We've got sellers that haven't gotten the memo. We've got sellers who overbought. But yet I talked about how there's always opportunity in every market. There always is opportunity in every market. But this is a market that's probably going to test us as investors. And if you're using a real estate agent, it's going to test your real estate agent. You're going to need to put a little bit more effort into finding properties, finding the sellers that are willing to negotiate, finding the properties that are more within a realm of prices they should be, you're gonna have to put a little bit more effort into it. You might even have to get a little bit creative on how you purchase the property. You might have to look at doing some of these creative financing strategies that exist where maybe instead of going to the bank and getting a loan for a full $120,000 for your duplex, maybe first you go to your aunt and say, hey, would you be able to lend me $60,000 so I can buy a rental property? I'll give you 4.5% interest. And then maybe you go to the bank and say, hey, yeah, I kind of need a loan for this amount. Maybe you'd use that strategy. Maybe you just buy a fixer-upper with your aunt's money. I don't know. But there are still ways to purchase in this market. You just might have to be slightly more creative with it. So that being said, this might be a stronger market for an opportunity for burrs. This might be an instance where you can find a burr, pinpoint a good price point that you can make a purchase at, still might have to negotiate it down a little bit, but you can pinpoint a purchase price. You can turn around, put some money into it, whether you use a hard money lender or going back to your aunt, maybe use your aunt's money. Put some money into it, you turn around and you have a functioning rental property in anywhere from like, hopefully four to six months at most. I think we're gonna see a market that will be pretty good for that, especially because what we're gonna be seeing, some of these people that overbought, I think the big opportunity market here is going to be people that overbought and used a hard money lender. 
people that overbought used a hard money lender and for whatever reason couldn't complete the rehab. These are the people that are actually going to be pretty motivated to sell because they have that hard money lender breathing down their back. Having a hard money lender breathing down your back, it's much different than having Chase breathing down your back or every any other sort of mortgage company. Like the threat is real with a hard money lender. That's all I'm going to say about that. Like it's like a dragon breathing down your neck, really. So for that reason, we might see this return of the burrs that were purchased in 2021 that or 2022 that didn't get completed and they might be more motivated to kind of reduce their price and be like okay you know what we really got to get rid of this the other thing is there are still quite a few burrs not just in my markets but in other markets that didn't sell through 2021 2022 and they're still sitting there on the market now they might be sitting there because somebody doesn't necessarily have to offload it but that's not to say that those properties shouldn't be looked at or considered because what's the harm? What's the harm in you devoting an hour to go see it, run a quick scope of work, run your numbers, and then create an offer and send it over and be like, hey, I know you have it listed for $93,000, but would you be willing to do $85,000 right now? Would that be amenable to you? Because the other thing you have to consider is that just like a rental property, when a purchase property stays on the market for X number of days, there are some people that just automatically discount it and say, no, I don't want to look at it. It's been on the market for 150 days, so obviously it's just really bad and I shouldn't bother looking at it. Maybe it just never found the right person. And in a market where we had so many people trepsing through properties and it was hard to maybe get showing, so on and so forth, maybe it's a property that is a solid property for you, but there weren't very many people of your type that were able to go through it and view it. So this is going to be a difficult market coming in 2023. We're going to have to put some effort into it. We might have to get creative with how we purchase it. We might have to go more to the burr side. We might have to just be really patient but there's still gonna be opportunities in this market. But this is going to be more of a make your opportunity sort of market. Now, I know some of you would be questioning me like, hey, wait a minute. What do you mean there's burr opportunities right now when interest rates are so high and all this other stuff? Here's what I can say about burrs right now. If you can get a burr and you can line up your money either through private money or hard money, you make your repairs, you rent it for a good solid rate, you will have the ability to finance out and still make money. But the key is, is making sure you control your costs. I think that's more important than ever before. Controlling your costs and making sure that your value is properly calculated for when you finance out is going to be crucial absolutely crucial in this market i think it's also going to be important to understand where you need to be with your interior improvements generally speaking interior improvements are one of the biggest considerations when we do a burr it's where we truly should be spending a large amount of our focus not necessarily our money but our focus like 
people often get caught up in the basements or, you know, things like that, or the siding on the exterior. But really, at the end of the day, what the tenant's going to matter about with a burr, what's going to matter to them, is what's on the inside. So this is definitely a market where we're going to have to focus on the interiors and make sure our interiors are solid. I'm not necessarily saying you're going to spend more money on your interiors than you normally would, but make sure your interiors are solid. If you are entering the burr market, the other thing I want to make sure you understand is that obviously parts have gone up. There's no way around that. If you haven't bought an appliance recently, let me tell you the story. An appliance that I used to get pre-COVID that would have run me about $697 with tax is now $864 with tax. I know, I know, I sing me this sad song every single day. I play my violin, the world's smallest violin, and I say, woe is me. <laughs> I opine for the days when it was 600 some dollars to get that appliance. Those days are gone. But yet, I'm sitting here and I'm telling you, there are still opportunities. Opportunities exist to people that are creative. Opportunities exist to people that are committed. And opportunities exist to people that have the knowledge. So even though you might look at the market and go, everything is overpriced, don't just close your web browser and go, well, I'm done. Start learning. Start learning what other people have done in situations to make property purchases that have turned out being profitable. Listen to podcasts, read books, read blogs, <laughs> do any number of things. Because as Robert Kiyosaki says, in every single market there's an opportunity. The most opportunities that exist, this is also something he says, is when no one else is paying attention to it. So right now we have a market where most everyone is closing their web browser and saying everything is too expensive. This is the type of market he's talking about. These are the markets where real opportunities exist because there isn't as much competition. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But there are opportunities out there and they're real opportunities because nobody else is paying attention. Those that have knowledge and those that have perseverance can succeed in this market. I fully, fully implore you to not be the person that closes their laptop lid and says everything's too expensive for where the interest rates are at. Bring some creativity, bring some perseverance. Maybe write it on a post-it note what Robert Kiyosaki says. Opportunities exist in markets where no one else is paying attention. This is the sort of market we're headed into. There are opportunities. We just have to make them for ourselves more than we would have to in a normal market. And I hate the word normal, especially nowadays since 2020, because I feel like <laughs> there's nothing normal about anything, even in 2023, I think. But when everyone else is looking away, that's when the opportunities really exist. Here we go, guys. That's the podcast. Here we are, 20 minutes. <laughs> exactly where I wanted to be, ideally, for a podcast length. We're at 20 minutes. Now, a little bit early in their podcast, about like seven minutes in, you probably heard my cat. <laughs> I apologize for that. I even pause the audio. I want to explain, you know, normally I don't record these with like pauses in there. I want them to be true, original, unedited. 
but nobody wants to hear my screaming cat who's having a bad day because she's not feeling well. So <laughs> I did pause it. So hopefully you weren't too annoyed by that. I hope you understand. If you're new to this, like I said, I try and run all the way through without any pauses, out any editing. Like I like this being authentic, original, 100% me. But I don't think anybody wants 100% of my cat screaming in the background of a podcast. <laughs> so next time I will record when Ms. Tabitha is having a better day and she's feeling better. And I won't have to pause. But I wanted to get both these episodes recorded back to back, get them scheduled because these are really important episodes. I didn't want it to be a situation where I just didn't get back to recording. And plus, honestly, right now is a really good time for me to be recording because I did something really stupid. So I had a nice holiday break where I was in bed watching movies, mostly because I was sick for nine days out of the 15 days I took off. But I had a nice relaxing break. I did a lot of like vegging stuff, which normally I don't do when I'm on a holiday break. I came back from my holiday break. I come home and you know how sometimes when you come home from a vacation, you're like, now I need to clean because wherever you were was so much cleaner than your house. Well, I kind of got in that mode and we were going to be entertaining Friday night. And for a while now, we've had a large little giant ladder in our dining room. We did some home repairs back in like February and it's just been sitting there. And normally this is us, it's something my husband would move, but his back's been kind of bad for a while. And I just looked at it and went, you know what? If you want something done, you got to do it yourself, apparently. <laughs> So I took this ladder, I picked it up, and oh my gosh, was it heavy. But I'm telling myself, no, I've lifted this ladder before. This should not be this difficult. I need to get back to the gym. Like, this is why it's so bad. Struggling with this thing, I struggled with it all the way out to the garage. I get it to the area it's supposed to go in, but I need to, like, lift it over this hump because it goes into a room which has, like, a stoop, a ledge. Right then and there, I lose control of the ladder. It smacks me straight in the forehead. I managed to give myself my first concussion ever. I come back in the house. I call my husband from downstairs. He comes up. I'm like, I think I managed to give myself a concussion. He's like, how'd you do that? I'm like, I took that ladder out into the garage. He's like, the ladder that's 100 pounds? I'm like, oh my God, that's why it was so heavy. It wasn't the small little giant that I've lifted hundreds of times. This was our bigger one that we had recently bought. And I totally forgot that we had recently bought in the last year another little giant, one that was much heavier than the first one. <laughs> so little Miss Me, who says she's She-Ra, I can do anything, gave herself a concussion by trying to lift a 100-pound ladder by herself. So I've been sort of grounded for the last five days now. Limited screen time. Can't watch a lot of TV. Can't watch a lot of YouTube. Can't spend a lot of time on the computer. So... Podcast recording is one of those things that I can actually do because I don't look at the screen a lot. Like right when I record podcasts, I'm usually just looking out into the unknown of whatever room I'm recording in. <laughs> so right now, this is a good activity because I don't use screen time to do this. <laughs> but I guess the more you know, children, don't try and lift a 100-pound ladder by yourself and never be afraid to ask for help, which is the lesson I have to learn on the personal side of my life. I have no problem asking for help professionally, but I'll tell you, there's something about asking for help personally that kills a little bit me on the inside. And I've been working on this. I have been trying to work on this, but definitely after last week, Thursday, I'm gonna try a little bit harder 
at working on asking for help. All right, guys, I hope you have a better week than what I have had the last week. And I will see you for next episode.